Welcome back to the Freewheeling Podcast. I'm Abby Mickey, and per usual, I am joined by Amy Lauren Jones. Hello, in festive mode. Or Debbie. No, that's my mom. I'm using her laptop. (laughs) (laughs) I'm in the UK. And Lauren Rowney. Hi, Debbie Jones. Hi, Abby. How are you doing? (laughs) Good evening. Uh, just uh, just for the record, everyone listening, Amy is already wearing um, a very festive sweater and I believe she is drinking something. What are you drinking tonight, Amy? I'm drinking Prosecco. There I'm we go. Christmas spirit. So we're <laughs> going to get some real hot takes from you today. That, yeah, I'm just, yeah, I'm greasing it up, you know? Great. We'll get to Lafavre when you're finished with that cup. <laughs> <laughs> Top it up now. We've got a ton to talk about today between the Val de Sol cyclocross race confirmation of the WNT Saratizit roster and Tibco EF Silicon Valley Bank and EF Tibco. Is it EF Tibco or Tibco EF? We'll get it right before the season starts. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> and a lot more. Amy has a surprise for us later on, but before we jump into that, this episode is brought to you by Swift. The holiday season can get pretty busy between visiting family, searching for presidents, presidents. <laughs> the holiday season can get pretty busy between visiting family, traveling, running around to find presents, and just the general chaos that comes with the end of the year. But you can still keep your fitness up with Zwift. There are curated under an hour workouts on Zwift so you can get a really, really effective exercise in in under an hour. But you can also just, you know, hop on there for as long as you've got free time. It's super convenient. If you've got the setup already at home, then it takes no time at all to slip into a pair of bibs and jump on the trainer. So don't lose your fitness over this holiday season. Check out Zwift. The, uh, I just have to say the under 60 minutes workouts are my bread and butter that's They're like really I, hard yeah and I never have more than 60 minutes and I don't want to just like tap around having fun well I have fun but you know what I mean like I have to like really be efficient I can't sit on there for three hours and do a nice base right so I just like to I think I did the Tanya Erath workout the other day which was a bit of fun yeah yeah no they're awesome I mean they're they're super hard and obviously you can pick and choose how hard you want the workout to be but there are some on there that are just brutal 60 minutes and the time goes by so quick when you're looking at the the screen like one of my favorite things about the workouts how easy they make it on the screen with all of the different zones and everything is color coded and it's so simple to follow and it just the time flies by when you're doing those workouts that's what i need instead of just going (laughs) up to the top of those angels and back down again Look, that's a I, great ride, though. Yeah, I miss that. I, that's, everyone takes that's a piss a out of me doing it. Everyone's like, no. you can do anything, any other ride in an hour. And I'm like, it somehow mentally feels longer and further to do that than it does to just go to the top of that climb and back. Yeah, yeah. That is one of my main complaints about Girona is that all of the good rides, you have to ride for an hour at least on the flats and like through the city to and get. stuff <laughs> to get to any good rides. I know, I know. So let's start it off with some some cyclocross. There was the most recent round of the women's and men's cyclocross World Cup was this weekend in Val de Sol and it was snowy. 
It was very snowy. It was won by Femme Van Empel, a fantastic ride from her. Mariana Voss made her return to cyclocross, but had some uh, unfortunate incidents and still finished second. And Magli Rochette, the Canadian, had another amazing ride to come in third. Although she's Canadian and riding on snow, you know, that works. That's like, that tracks. That's a thing. Yeah. <laughs> So what did you guys think of the race? I was really impressed with uh, Femme and also Voss. I felt pretty bad for Voss. It, it seems like coming back to your very first race of the season and having it be on on snow, which is a terrain that they don't usually race on, I think I would have maybe come back to like the, the mud that she's comfortable with but I mean she still did really really good and it was a really really close battle there on that final lap yeah I think maybe like to watch obviously the snow is makes it a, an amazing spectacle but when it like it's obviously a completely different type of terrain to mud and grass and whatever else they used to with cross so I think it was interesting to see like who thrived in that and who found it difficult like mm. but um I mean, yeah, I think Voss did all right. It was just unlucky. And mm. in general, I think other than uh, mentioning the Canadian Abbey, Rochette, most, most of these cross riders would have no experience riding in such snow because when it does snow in Belgium during the, the season, if it snows, it's like just this muddy mess pretty much because it's just not deep enough. But this was like legitimate snow. It was a completely different race to to any sort of cyclocross race, I think, that you would generally line up for in a normal season. So I'm curious to see if they, they keep it next year. Like you said, it was a spectacle, but at the same time, it wasn't the same sort of racing we're used to, is it? I think if they did it more, they would obviously be more used to racing on snow, but that would mean pulling cyclocross out of Belgium and the Netherlands a lot more are than it is right now and that's kind of where the races are the most popular that's where the most fans are that's where all the iconic races are so I don't see that happening them having more races outside of Belgium and the Netherlands but it was interesting I mean you're right if snow in Belgium or the Netherlands it's it's going to be like a dusting of snow and basically just make the dirt wet but they were like fully racing in like feet of snow and they were really lucky that it happened to be uh, a day where the snow was kind of soft and it wasn't, they were able to, the races that happened earlier in the day and the women's race before the men's race kind of packed it down a little bit and made it at least manageable without studded tires. But if it had rained the day before or been warm the day before and frozen overnight it would have been just like such a sloppy race and and not super safe I mean it was already so slow the race was so much slower than the races we see in Belgium and the Netherlands so I think it was an interesting experiment and I'm not completely out on the idea of the of cyclocross being in the Winter Olympics which I think was the whole point of this event but it it's definitely something that is going to need some thought effort put into it. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, wasn't it part of the whole kind of bid to, to have cross in the winter Olympics? And I guess, is that a requisite to have it be in snow? Yeah. It or... has to be on snow or ice. 
okay. the Winter Olympics. And I feel I feel like it's got to evolve a lot. And like the riders who specialize in it would have to really like change up the way they do things. Because yeah, if they used to like thick mud or sand or whatever, like yeah it's completely different and it's a completely different kind of racing and actually I guess you could ask does it take away the character of cross racing as it normally is as well I don't mm-hmm. know I'm not an expert I'm just gonna drink mm. one for a second none of <laughs> us are experts when it comes to cross but we're <laughs> trying because it's sweet mm-hmm. I mean doesn't isn't cycle cross a cool enough sport that it deserves to be in the Olympics and why would it be in the summer Olympics like that doesn't make any sense. It's a winter yeah. sport. Yeah. But but at the same time, it's kind of... We talked about this on the regular podcast yesterday. The sport is so dominated by Dutch and Belgian... Dutch on the women's side, Belgians on the men's side, that it's not worldly enough to be an Olympic sport. Just... I don't know. It's an interesting debate and one that I think will continue. But I like that they tried it. It was fun to watch. Yeah, it would have been fun to go and spectate. <laughs> I was going to say, on that note, actually, talking about, like, would one nation dominate? I guess if it was a Winter Olympic sport, federations would be more inclined to put funding towards it and grow it in their um, countries. So it could actually grow the sport of cross. For sure. I mean, uh, Shadi mentioned this on the regular podcast, what happened to track racing when it got put into the Olympics and all of a mm-hmm. sudden the Brits were the Brits and the Aussies were super keen to be part of track racing. And, and look how those nations have developed up to now. They're two of the strongest nations racing mm-hmm. on the yeah. track. So maybe if cross if they said ahead of time cross was going to be in the Olympics, give it like a six year head start or something like that. I mean, there's many countries that are so Olympic crazed that they would probably put funding towards riders like Evie Richards would get a lot more support than from British cycling to compete in the cross. But yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely nations out there that would be would be keen to kind of get better at it. And imagine for, for the riders as well, like, so you just mentioned Evie Richards, she could do the Summer Olympics and the Winter Olympics. Oh, yeah, that's true. It would be the winter, so she could do both. It wouldn't yeah. interfere with her mountain biking at all. And, I mean, we don't often – there are some crossovers, like speed skaters, for for example, um, but it's it's quite rare that you see crossovers that, that athletes do both Olympics in, in one lifetime. So from that perspective, it would be really cool. But like you said, it's going to take um, some years to figure it out, and I think if it ever did become a winter Olympic sport – that you'd have to look at the the Scandinavians um, who do a lot of, I think, like fat bike riding in the snow and such. So, Hey, maybe we yeah. should throw that into the Winter Olympics as well. If they're going to add cross, they might as well add fat biking. Amazing. That was a joke. <laughs> <laughs> that definitely doesn't have enough attention to the Olympic sport yet. It's super fun, though. Have you guys ever tried it? No, no, I want to. Mate, it's I only went really mountain fun. biking for the first time like a month ago. So. And you loved it. I did love it. I raced mm-hmm. it. We told you you would. Mm-hmm. I know. I know. But now I haven't been for ages and I've lost my confidence. So if I go again, I'm just going to have to be at square one. But it's all right. I've got a good time. You do have to just keep doing it. Yeah. You do. Yeah. 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 Right, mm-hmm. Anyway, 
So that's that's an interesting debate that I'm sure will continue. And uh, as always, love getting more into Cross. It's more fun when you kind of start to pick up the characters. Definitely. Yeah. Another World Cup this weekend as well. Yeah. Yeah, but this is our final podcast with the three of us for 2021. Bloody hell, that's true. Well, it's all right because it, it carries on. As you true. I know how much you love the fact that the cross season runs runs the way it does. Look, I mean, it's it makes sense that it runs the way it does, but what doesn't make sense is contracts that end on December 31st and like new teams pick up riders on January 1st. Yeah, it's that's what doesn't make any sense to yeah. me. Agreed. Like, Agreed. Why? <laughs> what are you all thinking? Anyway, but there's loads of things to talk about in the new year. Yeah. Yeah, much more racing and the World Championships draws ever nearer. Let's move on to WT Saratizit. So we talked a little bit earlier about how they had not announced, I mean, anything in terms of their 2022 roster, but they dropped their full roster last week. So it looks like they do have a team. We already knew that Katie Archibald was going to ride for them in 2022, but it is confirmed that Lisa Brenauer will stay with them. And then they've got a bunch of riders that have signed two years. Martina Fidanza, Camilla Elisio. I'm so sorry. <laughs> At this point, everybody knows that I can't pronounce anything. So, Own it, mate. <laughs> Just crack on. There's a few riders that I have not heard of, so I assume that they've picked up some new talent to develop in 2022. And uh, Sandra Alonzo and Katie Archibald and Franziska Bros from Germany have signed three-year contracts through 2024, so the next Olympic cycle. And uh, Laura Asensio, the French rider. Hmm. So an interesting roster that is missing a lot of their riders from 2021 but mm. we knew that that was going to happen because we knew a lot of them had left yeah really late to to announce a roster but yeah i guess i mean we're still waiting on the team uae emirates roster mm. yeah i figure that'll just be the LA, the same as LA was because they've taken over so. the license, right? So yeah, yeah. Like Mavi Garcia hasn't announced a team, so I imagine she's staying there. But they've also like they lost Marlon. Ru- they lost Marlon. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, there's definitely, and she was their top, top, top rider of the year. So mm-hmm. there's, there's a gap to fill, and now that we know that Lisa Brenauer is staying on WNT, it's there's not a ton of riders that can fill that gap. There are zero riders that can fill that gap that don't have a contract. Yeah. There isn't really anybody. There's no like big names now floating about really. Not anymore. Which begs the question um, in terms of support, is Lisa Brenner going to have enough support? I'm so interested to see how Katie Archibald goes on the road. Um, because or whether she'll because she never really does that much like I know she's done some like domestic racing in the UK she obviously owns like the tour series and things like that when she does it but in terms of like high level UCI races on the road I'm really intrigued to see how she goes 
with that. Obviously, they were quite a way out still from Paris. I imagine she's she is going to focus on road races and not just track. Um, mm. So, I mean, she's yeah. strong as fuck. Can I say it like that? She is. Mm-hmm. You drink that prosecco, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Merry Christmas, everyone. Yeah, that's my contribution anyway. Yeah, she's strong. As, as, she's very strong. It is always interesting to see a rider like Katie Archibald who, uh, like, no offense to her, it's totally a product of the situation that she's been in the last couple of years, but is going from being kind of the, the very, very top of the pecking order to a road team where things are kind of structured a little bit differently. I think I talked about that when it came to Chloe Digart, and uh, she's obviously still not even uh, met most of her teammates so which is due to her injury and and the situation in 2021 um after she crashed in 2020 but still it's it's going from that team where everything is catered to you and your events are individual to it or to a team where it's every single race is different and it's all up in the air uh, all the time well in terms of leadership I mean, maybe this means she's going to have some opportunity. I can see it being an incredible workhorse for Lisa because we've seen what she can do on the track. But I'd be, it would be really exciting to see her take her own opportunities because we've seen, yeah, we've seen how track riders translate really well to the road. It's just we, we find often with the Australians and the British that they focus more heavily on the track and don't put as much emphasis on the road um maybe to their detriment and I think we've we've spoken about that before that seem like the Germans have a really nice balance and perhaps that's why they they outperformed everyone else as well yeah I think there's something to be said for stepping outside of that super controlled environment that I think Mm. for sure British cycling run when it comes to the track um program if there's one track athlete that I wish had spent even more time on the road is Nettie Edmondson. I think um, she she had some fantastic performances on the road during her time, but I reckon if she'd focused really 100%, we could have seen some some really big things from her. Her and Gracie's chat last week was amazing. It was super interesting. I enjoyed it a lot. Shameless plug for the episode <laughs> last week. Go back and listen! In the same conversation, TIBCO, EF, Silicon Valley Bank, EF Education, TIBCO, Silicon Valley Bank announced their full roster for 2022. And it is what we talked about earlier. So they basically just confirmed the the PCS rumor uh, slash leaked roster. So we know that now. And they've all, they also announced a ton of new staff members as well as uh, two new directors um, because their director Rachel Hederman who's an incredible director is moving into the management role instead so they announced all that on Monday I missed the staff part I missed the fact that um so Rachel Hederman's moving away from directing yeah she um because she has a son who her and her husband who's the mechanic for the team have been traveling with him to all the races for a while and i think they 
well, for one, she's been directing for a really long time. And I think she's kind of ready to sit in one place. And also he's, he's got to go to school and stuff. So she's stepping out of that director role to, to manage the team instead. And I think it's amazing. I think she's going to be incredible at it. Yeah. She was basically managing and directing United Healthcare when I rode for her. Wasn't she like fully like, like breastfeeding whilst directing whilst like, yeah, yeah. man, what a hitter, what a ledge. Yeah. I think she like was directing two months after he was born or oh. a month after it was, it was crazy. It was not wow. the it was not proper maternity leave, but then again, it was yeah. cycling. I have such mixed feelings about those sorts of things. I mean, it's, it's like on right. the one hand, what a legend, but then it's like on the other hand, you should probably actually have a break. Yeah, which I think is more her employers than her. Mm. Yeah, yeah for, no, yeah, for sure, for sure. I think. Anyway, that's a whole kettle of fish, but um, we we don't want to open up this because there's there's yeah. another kind of worms coming soon. We can't open two in one episode. Yeah, I've already opened a bottle of prosecco. That counts as one. There's another, <laughs> there's another <laughs> one coming. <laughs> Did you just refill your prosecco glass? Yes. It looks fuller than it was when I saw it last. <laughs> yes i have refilled unless it. it's just magic well look abby she's drinking for you and i <laughs> that is true i am it's the cup that never ends i have the least responsibilities and the most prosecco i miss prosecco i miss it so much next christmas abby we'll go for prosecco and drone somewhere actually no it'll be a cava won't it yes, yes it will yes. i love cava mm, so and when good. in girona <laughs> I smell the Prosecco the other day. My mom. <laughs> Is that what it comes to? Yeah. My, my mom poured a Prosecco and I was like, I miss Prosecco so much. So I smelled it and it smelled like rotten fruit. No oh. way. Like your yeah, body was just like, so no, bad. sir. Yeah. My, wow. my smelling. Maybe I should just were, get pregnant like, and stop not. drinking so much. Wait, what? No. I mean, I can't eat chocolate either. I ate a handful of M&Ms the other day and I was like, these M&Ms are rotten. They literally oh, taste rotten. What? I don't know. It's this weird. is like some sort of crazy diet. I was like on the McDonald's chocolate milkshakes. <laughs> okay, I feel like I would be more like you, Lauren. I'd be like, what is fatty? What is fried? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I was dipping French fries into it. What? <laughs> oh, yum. Anyway, all right. Let's, let's continue. That was a massive tangent. Um, <laughs> EF roster. Listen to our podcast, right? <laughs> yeah for the tangents yeah <laughs> write in if you love it send it to but if you don't just don't we don't want to know we don't want your negative energy here yeah if you don't don't we yeah we don't want to hear we don't want your hate mail don't send us your hate mail only and then we'll read it out you know in like podcasts and people like read out the letters and they're like your podcast is amazing they like read it out their own praise <laughs> like we should just, we'll do just that only read the episode. hate mail Yes, oh, I'm down for that. Send it to uh, mammalrepeller at gmail.com. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the UCI announced the teams that have officially joined the Women's World Tour for 2022. And it's the teams that we kind of have already talked about. I mean, for one, most of the teams that have already that are already World Tour are staying. But the new teams are Uno X, Team Yumbo Visma, which is unsurprising. 
uh, Human Powered Health, a.k.a. Rally Cycling, the American team, and, oh, here, that's how you say it, EF Education, Tibco, Silicon Valley Bank, a.k.a. Wow. Tibco. Americans love the long names, huh? The final, yeah. Yes. The final one is the Roland Kogas Edelweiss squad. Which mm. I had to Google, and then I realized who's on that team. And my first thought was like, I was reading through the roster, and this sounds terrible, but I was like, who? are these people and then i got to the last person yeah yeah who was it lauren yeah who was Uh, it someone who's won a couple of olympic medals i suppose Mm, what nation does she race for ukraine Um, mate it's ukraine now still she hasn't switched again yet i'm pretty sure it's ukraine no i think you're right she just used to be russian well she is russian (laughs) so anyway which yeah, is nothing so, against her on its own no, accord, just to say. No, no, being Russian, there's nothing but, against her being Russian. It's just the switching of nations after history some... history. With... Yeah. Yes, it's dodgy. It's very yeah. dodgy. Yeah. Alas, the whole thing is, but anyway, moving on. Yeah. Um, there's a couple teams on the list of new teams that are unsurprising and we definitely saw coming. Uh, at the same time... Oh, and, and UAE, obviously. Um, there are a couple teams on here that we, we saw coming, but there are a couple on here that were kind of... I have to just put it out there. I was surprised Rally actually, you know, went for it, that. got a license, and they, they've got it. That means, because now in this day and age, when you get this World Tour license, there is a certain standard that you um, have to... What's the word? I've got mum brain right now. Well, you have to meet the Meat. requirements the fun the the biggest thing being the exactly. financial ones because you have to be able to pay the minimum salary to every rider which is not not cheap historically um you know obviously abby you've ridden for that team but historically that team hasn't been able to to pay a lot of money to riders so i mean it's great that actually all these riders are going to be paid a livable salary now i think the thing about Rally is that they've always had the money to pay those minimum wages. They just put a lot of effort into their men's team. And this is where, when it comes to a men's team having a women's team, is it always a good thing? Probably not. There are teams that have a women's team attached that get very overlooked. Don't and yeah, they've, my worry when it comes to Rally as a world tour team is not so much the financial obligations so much as the staff situation for that team. When I was riding for them, they had one mechanic and one swanier and they worked them into the ground until the swanier just was like, I can't do this anymore and flew home from Europe to the U S because she was so tired and so cracked. And because she was so tired, she, was, she wasn't even actually doing her job very well. So the riders suffered and, and she was treated horribly. Hold up. And One swan year for the entire yeah. team. Yeah, for the entire team that. for the whole year. Yeah. That's insane. And one mechanic. And I, a lot of riders, when it came to a race and she was doing massages, you know, only two riders from a six rider team would get massages every day and it would be the top two on GC. But 
the four girls that are working for those top two are like, oh, you can use Norma Tech boots. <laughs> it's like, no, that's not. And just for context, the for the people listening, like when you go to a tour, um, a woman's world tour tour, there is always minimum two Swannies and two mechanics. Yeah, it's just always. not possible to run it any other way. Some teams even have three, and it's like your designated one swan. Two riders are given one swan year for the entire tour, and that's one year is in charge of just looking after, like in charge of doing things with the other two swan years, like filling bottles and feeding and everything. But when it comes to uh, like caring for the riders, their massages, making sure that they're getting like enough food and checking in on them and stuff. It's like one swan year to two riders um, for some teams and other teams, you know, three to one. But but yeah, that that's kind of my main concern when it comes to this team. I, I don't know how much the situation has changed. I know that they're under new um, leadership, yes. direct a new director, but yeah, I guess I'm biased when it comes to to this team. I'm key, I'm I'm really trying to keep a lid on it. <laughs> I mean, I guess we just have to kind of if they've applied for the license, they had to have met certain requirements. I guess until otherwise I mean, until further notice, we should just give them the benefit of the doubt and hope. I agree. I agree. I mean, they might like this might be their their wake up call and and they they might be like this is like our women's team is incredible and we're going to we're going to give them the support that they need but they also fired i think five or six of the riders that they had on the team last year so it's kind of an overhaul of the team that they have had traditionally they've been a north american team and they broke out of that when they hired uh clara copenberg now next year they have a much more international team so it's really yeah it's interesting they've got Olivia Ray, are we going to go into that whole shebang? No, no. No. How many bottles of food do you have? Yeah. How many cans of worms do you want to open on this podcast, Amy? I just love it, mate. It's because it's Debbie. It's it's true serum, mate. It's Debbie. She's brought her alternative ego, Debbie. My controversial alias. okay no i guess we skip that but anyway. does your mom have a twitter no but i can make her an account let's start debbie jones <laughs> cycling pundit controversial cycling pundit debbie jones and just a picture of your sweater like no face just like you holding the prosecco cup <laughs> with your sweater and the face cut off <laughs> merry christmas you filthy animal uh do we want to talk about the other teams that that have uh moved up into world tour status obviously yumbo visma is unsurprising and ef education tivgo silicon valley bank is also unsurprising i talked to linda jackson on an earlier podcast about their commitment to the team so that we are fully aware of uno x is an interesting one as well uh, as a brand new team with a lot of young talent and a couple seasoned riders who will hopefully be able to guide those younger riders in a very full calendar in 2022. Um, what do we kind of what do we kind of think of of this? Of the what are our thoughts? What are our general thoughts on the world women's world tour for next year? 
the team compositions. There's a lot of teams now. How many in total? 14. 14. Look at us. Look how far we've come since 2015 when this whole idea of the Women's World Tour was um, yeah, thought about. I still remember sitting in on the meeting after the first Strata Bianchi in Siena and they were talking about what this Women's World Tour would look like and minimum wages and all this and that. There were some great discussions. And then here we are, the end of 2021. There's 14 Women's World Tour teams who are now paying a minimum wage that riders can live off and the general professionalization of the whole sport has just come leaps and bounds. So from that perspective, it's, it's very exciting. Um, and I think Abby, you having been a rider as well, like it's just gone so quickly, um, you know, in a blink of an eye, almost how much change has happened, which is fantastic. But I think we were having an internal internal discussion about whether we have the depth yet to have so many world tour teams of that status and what does that mean actually for teams that aren't world tour so is this gap just going to keep um growing between the world tour and the continental yeah this is a conversation i think we're going to have a lot next year um as we're actually able to watch the races and see what's happening in the dynamic of the peloton but the composition of some of the new world tour teams are not up to the standard of some of the existing world tour teams i mean that being said the composition of some of the existing world tour teams is also not up to the standard of like truck segafredo and sd works really so there's still a huge gap between these teams that are world tour and don't have that depth and teams that are world tour and do have that depth. And it comes down to money and who teams can hire and, and what names are even available when they do the hiring process. I mean, I know Uno X had a really hard time getting bigger names because when they started the hiring process, a lot of the riders that were would have made a huge difference coming to a new team like Uno X were already signed for 2021 and 2022. Um, they'd signed new contracts after the Olympics or after the Olympic, what was supposed to be the Olympic year. So it's an interesting discussion. And controversially, I don't think that the level of the Peloton that the depth of the Peloton is there yet to have 15 World Tour teams. But I'm still really, really excited to see these teams putting their resources and the money towards these riders. And the the riders that are on these teams that are not quite up to par yet have an incredible opportunity to make leaps and bounds in their careers and in their fitness. And I think... In the long run, it's not a bad thing that we have this this many teams and especially world tour teams with younger riders. And I guess just thinking about it, maybe because we've discussed this before with the race calendar, maybe people, um, sorry, teams actually becoming world tour teams is just a matter of them trying to get race starts, right? Because if, you, if you're a world tour team, you get to, to start. I mean, it's no secret that at least a few of these teams have come about simply as a result of the fact that there's a Women's Tour de France next year. 
and they want to be there for it and they the sponsors want to be there for it so I think which actually is, some... yeah which is about yeah. race starts and money um, yeah exactly but then we think about teams like Drops who have come such a long way and they deserve actually, I would say they're right there on the cusp of being what we, we call a world tour team. But they obviously haven't secured the funding just yet maybe to get there and are getting bypassed by these teams like what you mentioned before, Abby. So it's, yeah. I think at the moment it's just a, it's just a name. Like people, <laughs> people just want... Like te- so there are certain teams that, like you say, can buy their way into that stature to guarantee race starts at certain races and therefore exposure and profile. But I agree with everything that Abby just said. There's not, it sounds counterintuitive or it sounds like you're putting the sport down or something, but like there aren't enough women's world tour level riders for 15 14 women's world tour teams and but that's not necessarily that doesn't mean there shouldn't be that many world tour teams that just means that there needs to be a period where the level catches up because and it will do because if every single one of those riders has to be paid a a statutory minimum wage they'll be able to focus exclusively on that as their jobs. They'll be able to specialise in whatever it is they do best. They'll be content to work for their teammates rather than scrambling around for individual results to try and take it to another team and get paid more. And it, it just time will tell, basically. It's this perennial chicken and egg situation. Um, so, yeah, it... When I first, when someone first said to me, like, oh, there's not enough riders, my instinct was to be like, oh, yes, there are, like, just to grumble about it because you, it sounds like a put down almost. But it is a fact. Like, like you said, there aren't even enough at the moment for the current teams that there are. The, the, not every single team is an SD Works or a Trek Segafredo, even if they have a World Tour license. It's just a license at the end of the day, it's a name. I mean, yeah, it's it'll be growing pains Hmm. uh, for the Peloton to catch up. But I mean, I've said it before. I've said it before and I'll say it again. (laughs) They've (laughs) they've built old man yells at cloud. Grumble, 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 grumble. (laughs) (laughs) They've they've built up the top of women's cycling right now where they've got a stacked calendar. They've got 15 world 14 world tour teams that are paying minimum salaries and will hopefully be elevating the top level of the sport but they need they need to also focus on the bottom of the pyramid and that that's going to make a huge difference in the depth of the peloton as well and that also means more of an under 23 calendar um it's it's not just developing the continental level it's developing young riders as well so they don't just get steamrolled in really high level races without like straight from junior into oh yeah you race in anime around luton now good luck i mean one of the one of the riders on on rally next year is the american who got second at the world championships 
who in the junior race and she's she's now on a world tour team i mean that's (laughs) it shouldn't be like that right she should be picked up by a women's equivalent of of axel merck's development team and Mm -hmm. developed into being a better rider by being thrown into a couple of these top races but for the most part smaller races that build her fitness and her confidence but Mm -hmm. you throw this incredibly young girl who has barely any european experience into the world tour i i don't see that career not her particularly but on in in this in that particular like not not her specifically but in that kind of scenario i don't see that career lasting very long and we want to build someone like that up to being the next vandebregen or yeah. someone you know it's, i think it's not even in an american context like it, look at the trajectory of corinne rivera how she came through the ranks um, spending uh, many years on a very good American team and doing little stints in the in Europe, and it, it's not just about the racing; it's everything. You you bring a nineteen year old over to Europe and base them, for example, in Belgium or Holland for seven to nine months. Like that's a long time to be away, and the first seasons are difficult because you know when you're going good, it's it's good, everything's great, but you're going to have more shit days than good days. And it's how you, you manage that. And as a young person, unless you're incredibly grounded and mature, I think it's, it's a really hard place to navigate. So, yeah. I think, yeah. I mean, if you look at like Neve Bradbury, for example, um, was thrown into racing in Canyon Sram this year after winning Zwift Academy, she's 19. I think she's, she's very young. And was stuck in Europe for the entire year, didn't see her family, and by the end of it, by November, was unsure if she was even going to be able to go home to Australia and was devastated. (laughs) And doubting whether she even wanted to continue being a pro. Exactly. And then that rolls over into the 2022 season where training camps are in December and the season is starting basically... Your season starts six weeks after it's ended with when you have a training camp in early December and you're expected to be fit for the January training camp. And there's not really any gap there where these young riders can go home, recuperate, spend time with their families and their friends and get back in touch with who they are as people. Um, There's no personal there's very little personal development in that situation. So it's. Yeah, it's this is like this is a thing that I'm going to continue to harp on, but there just needs to be more effort put into the development side of women's cycling before they continue to push the top. There needs to be more support and structure again at the, the level below the world tour. Stop focusing so much energy and resources and content on the world tour and start thinking about, yeah, all these lower level teams. Um, and start setting standards because, like we said, this this gap is just growing between the two and it's kind of like people are focusing so much on what's happening on the world tour. We're not looking at the smaller teams and anything could be going on down there. Riders not but getting it paid. It, it really <laughs> yeah, is. It, it literally is. <laughs> you know, and yeah. what kind of environment is that for a young rider who who aspires to be great? And, okay, you've got 
the ones that go and medal at the under 19 world championships and get picked up straight away. But what about the ones who, who decided to focus more on sport and decide, you know, actually in my twenties, I'm going to give cycling a real crack and get my studies done and, and then try to re-enter the sport. It's a difficult place. I was going to say, I think like in a world where you've got young riders who are like 19, 20 years old, achieving amazing results, I think it's easy to take that as the norm and forget that that's actually, those riders are outliers. They're like insanely talented freaks of nature for want of a better description, but the rest of the riders their age are still developing and that's completely normal and they shouldn't be burdened with the expectation that they should achieve such great things at that age because they might their development might have a different trajectory but yeah I think maybe the ECI are hoping for some sort of trickle down effect um with this but I just don't think that's gonna happen I think there needs to be a structure when it comes to continental I mean I think there ought to at some point in the future be a three-tier system like there is for men's because also let's not shy away from the fact that on the men's side the continental level is also the wild west so, yeah, so bad. yeah yeah um yeah well anyway. i mean speaking of this topic i mean this kind of rolls into our next conversation really well because the talk of having the U20 there be the first ever women's U23 jersey awarded in 2022 in Wollongong the courses were announced and can you imagine being a U23 rider racing 174 kilometers with 2,660 meters elevation gain I mean there's a bunch of them that can do it but like you just said Amy that's they're the outliers they're not the side note that's not officially confirmed no, it's not. That's the rumored distance and elevation gain rumored. But we oh. don't actually know what it's going to be yet. They we've what we know is that there's a 35 32 kilometer run in on the coast to two loops that are one of them is uh, a city circuit along Wollongong and has like a punchy climb in it and then there's a bigger loop that's Kira? Kira? No, Kira. Mount Kira, I think I said Kiara yesterday, which is whatever. <laughs> uh, Mount Kira, which is like an eight kilometer long climb, but they haven't actually announced how many times they're going to be doing each circuit. So we don't know the official distance, but if it was what's rumored, not great for the U23 category that's lining up against the elite women for that race. Yeah, I think there's only a few under 23s that would would handle that. The ones that are already excelling, like we we see it in the men's peloton as well. Like your your Remco Evanpools are an exception to the rule um, because normally it takes years and years to develop. Um, but yeah, uh, I guess the the big talking point as well is another talking point for the Wollongong Worlds will be the time trial and the fact that it's the same distance. I mean, I think if there is one race that you're going to make the same distance, then the time trial is definitely a race that you can do that because um, there was some discussion about, I saw it on Twitter, people thinking that it wasn't the best idea to do that. But 
in terms of whether the woman can handle it, yes, they can. Are we going to see different winners? Well, the top time trialists at the moment in the world all are older, more seasoned riders. So I'm sure the longer time trial isn't going to affect their performances. They have more than enough time to prepare for it. Um, it's unfortunate for the women, they don't have any long time trials for preparation. But I mean, that being said, it's such a, a, a specific discipline that you could not race any road races or do any time trials in a year and go out and win the Olympics. And Kristen Armstrong has proven that. And a, a time trial is something that you can actually simulate rather like a road race you can try but it's there's way too many factors that go into a road race for a long time trial you can set a course that is similar or at least something that's just as long and see how you go on it um so it's possible to to simulate a time trial which means that they will have a little bit of preparation and those top riders that are going to be going for the rainbow Jersey will be the type of riders that would probably want to simulate a race before they do it. Um, I, that's super common in training. I know like when Taylor Finney was getting ready for the Olympics in, in London, he was doing a ton of simulation on courses around Boulder that were as close as he could possibly get to the courses in London. Um, so it's, yeah, it's not unheard of. If it is announced that the women's world, the women's road race is going to be 174 kilometers, I'm sure we'll have a lot to say about that in the future. I can have a whole podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Um, all right. Final, final talking point before we move into Amy's surprise quiz that is going to make us look like idiots probably, uh, is something that we... Uh, to the surprise of many listening, we're going to keep it short. We're going to, we're going to give you the bullet points and we are not going to get into it because, um, it's just better. It's just better this way. You know, Patrick Lafavre has joined the women, the world of women cycling by sponsoring the next G team with one of his, yes. This is something we did not see coming. Uh, I think Lizzie Dagnan said it best when she said women's cycling doesn't need him. <laughs> but here we are. He has, he's, he's here. Uh, I said this on the regular podcast and I am curious if you guys agree. I don't think he's actually going to have anything to do with the team at all or insert himself in any way. And he will probably forget he's even part of it at some point next year. Um, so it doesn't really it's it's not the fact that he's putting he's putting money into it yeah great publicity stunt and we're not going to complain about a you the only U23 women's team getting some more funding and some more backing the fact that it comes from this man who embodies everything that we don't want in women's cycling is a little bit of a um, a sour taste in the mouth or a, a, a not great, a gr- not great taste. Um, but yeah, the, that's, that is news that we didn't talk about last week. So. Go to secondship.com and read a piece written by yours truly about the very topic, which includes definitely not shoehorned references to love the way you lie 
Amy wrote an incredible piece on cyclingtips.com and I will link it in the show notes. So if you want to read a little bit more about our opinion when it comes to this topic, uh, you can check out that article that Amy wrote. Let's do your quiz. Don't sound so upset about this, Abby. I'm so nervous. This is forced fun. If you worked in an office, you'd have to do this. You'd have to do it alongside colleagues. You didn't even like. I'm forcing an office Christmas party on the Free Willing podcast. I have it printed. Who says I like you guys? <laughs> I have it printed. Because I'm analog. We've established this in previous episodes. I feel like we need a Christmassy jingle. Abby, are you allowed to use like a Christmassy quiz jingle here? Yeah, like- I'm gonna. Th- I'll throw in a Christmassy quiz jingle. Right. Okay. Do you guys have like? Are you gonna have to note down? These are multiple choice questions. You have to note down. Don't what? Oh. Okay. Yeah. You have to note down your answer. Do you have something to do that with? We're doing this like sort of chronologically throughout the season. So we're starting off with Omelette Pet News Lab. And oh, dear Lord. It's like a lifetime ago. Right, yes, I know. It was approximately 10 years ago. But <laughs> there was a huge controversy about prize money and there was a disparity between Anna Fantabrogan and Debbie Ballerini's prize money. Okay. What was the difference? Was it A? 15,070 euros, 1,570 euros, or 150,070 euros. I am actually terrible at uh, saying numbers. Yeah, I think it was the 15,000. Yes, correct. A. Well done. See? Hi, Rachel, high five. Right. First question, right. Now you can relax. Now you can relax. You're going to ace this, mate. I had to research. If I was answering these questions, this is why I'm quiz master, because I would be rubbish at this. I have no memory. <laughs> I'm the person who leaves her keys in her flat two days in a row. Yeah. Um, I think Amy needs to drink every podcast. Continue. <laughs> or Debbie. Bring back Debbie. <laughs> Debbie. Back Debbie. Debbie. Debbie forever. <laughs> <laughs> this is my drunk alter ego at Christmas. <laughs> uh, Ezzy, Ezzy can help you. No conferring, though, with babies or dogs. Thank you. Um, <laughs> So, next question. Demi Vollering bagged her first women's world tour win in what race was it? Wait, I don't even need multiple choice for this. <gasps> but can I say the multiple choice anyway? Yeah, sure. Was it A, Depana, B, La Corse, or C, Liège Bastogne Liège? C, Liège. C, C. You guys are experts. All right. Another easy one. In April, Anna van der Breggen won La Flèche Wallonne for a record number of times in a row, but how many was it? And okay, you guys don't need multiple choices. Come on, do you? Do you? Seven. 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 Yeah. My other options were four and eight, just to throw you off, you know? Okay. Oh. How many minutes of live run to summer now? How many minutes of live coverage did we see of the Queen stage of the Giro Rosa? Was it oh. A, four hours, B, 30 minutes, or C, zero minutes? Zero, zero minutes. minutes. <laughs> it is zero minutes. Cheers to that. <laughs> mm. What? This, maybe this is a bit more difficult. 
Actually, no, because the never mind. Anyway, what was Anna Kizanova's winning margin in the Tokyo Olympic road race? Was it A, 10 minutes and 15 seconds, 1 minute and 15 seconds, or 35 seconds? B, 1 minute and 15? Yes. See, I told you this was easy. It's Christmas, mate. See, no, no trick questions at Christmas. <laughs> How many of the 131 starters finished the inaugural women's Pyru Bay? Was oh. it? A, 25, B, 80, or C, 61? 25. I think it was 61. It was C, 61. Sorry, Lauren. Underestimating everyone there. (laughs) (laughs) Whoops. Sorry, women's peloton. To be fair, I think, well, no, I think like 62 people finished the men's race, or was it less than that? Men are soft. Oh, yeah, there's never that many that finish men's they had more starters for sure i would say no there but the guy who got last place was tom's teammate and countryman emils leapinch who had like a horrific day on the bike but was but it's his favorite race of all times and it was his first time doing it so he was like i'm gonna make it and there were some crazy photos from the grubers at the end because he'd lost his glasses on the first cobbled sector and sector and his eyes were red like oh yeah red yeah um I think there he had you to go. take antibiotics afterwards. Fuck. Yeah. What is in that mud? What a legend, uh, though. Good for him. It's cow shit, Amy. It's, yeah, cow it's shit. not mud. It's not mud. <laughs> it's shit. <laughs> well, you learn something new every day, and I can't wait to eat my dinner now. All right. There's only a few more questions left. You might okay. enjoy this one. Cool. We're at the end of the season now. All right. What happened at the women's tour? Was it A, anyone's guess, B, Demi Valerie? C, loads of crashes, or D, all of the above? All of the above. <laughs> what even did yeah. happen? I don't know. I didn't I see a second to cover it. Did it even happen? <laughs> well, if a tree falls in the woods, whatever it was. I always get that metaphor confused. Anyway, SD Works amassed the most women's world tour points this season with 8,572 points. But who was second? Was it A, Trek Pigafredo? B, Canyon Stram, or C, Movistar? Ooh. I think it was Movistar. I mean, I think it was Trek Segafredo, but that seems the I'm easy gonna, answer. I'm just going to go Trek. I, I say Movistar. Oh, Abby, you should go with you. Go Trek Segafredo. Oh, man. Between Emma Norsgaard and Anamig Van yeah. you'd think yeah. Movistar yeah. would have gotten a lot of points. Movistar was third. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't they know that won a lot, those two. Yes, they did. In fact, on that note, next question is, how many individual wins did Team DSM's Lorena Weavers get this season? Was it A, 9, B, 13, or C, 14? I think it was 13. 13? It was 13. How the f- did you... I would never... Okay. So remember, it was a, a crazy number of wins. It was 13 yeah. or 14. I mean, that's a lot. Yeah, I remember her getting like I I remember eleven sprint victories, but then she also won a prologue. So I rounded up from there. I just went and counted. I'll be completely honest. I just went down her process and stats and counted every number one there was, apart from like classifications, because yeah, unless it was no rule. Um, last question. Slightly Christmas themed, slightly not. Who said? 
with all due respect, but I am not the OCMW, when asked if he had intentions to build a women's team, was it A, Ebenezer Scrooge, B, Patrick LeFevre, <laughs> or C, The Grinch? I was like, all, oh, of, the above. The all of the above. I don't know the difference between these three people. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I think they are all one person. But actually, he's proper. So he's gone the whole Christmas Carol like narrative here. He's like, you, sir, what day is it? Let's start a women's team. You know, at the end where he's all jolly. <laughs> he's fully gone. He's like reformed. Oh, reformed oh well amy thank you so much for that wonderful quiz uh this is our final episode with the three of us for the year of 2021 thank god and just uh thanks for joining too debbie we enjoyed it yes it was great having having a surprise guest debbie debbie will make an annual appearance (laughs) next year and yeah we'll be back in 2022 have a great holiday break everybody merry crimbo lads Thank you.